Thanks, Emma. Let's pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we read in Psalm 119, How happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk according to the Lord's instruction. Happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. Father, we pray today that as we hear your word, you would enable us to walk according to your instruction, that we might seek you with all our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Water. Do you find you're always being reminded to drink water? I do. Uh, At the most basic level, there's just general physical thirst. The body's natural reminder, Marty, your body needs fluid. I see a tap. It reminds me I need to drink water. I see a cup. It reminds me I need to drink water. I get these reminders on my phone from this this health app that I once installed but never used. And it's telling me like three times a day, drink water. Uh, There's a member of this church who makes makes this look like a little teacup. He he walks around with this giant like four liter drink bottle. And whenever I see that drink bottle, it reminds me, I need to drink water. And then there's my, my beloved wife, Emma. She reminds me constantly She's worked out that I often get dehydrated and I get these big bags under my eyes, these little dimples when I'm dehydrated. She's always telling me, Marty, you need to drink water. In fact, do you know what she got me for Christmas? She got me this water bottle. Oh, okay. Water. Constantly being reminded to drink water. I get reminders to drink water all the time. But I still forget to drink it. Sometimes we need to hear the same message more than once. And I mention this because today's sermon is at its most basic level identical to Mike's sermon last week. Praise the Lord, which just means hallelujah, or hallelujah, which just means praise the Lord. That's at the most basic level, the big idea of this this sermon today. Praise the Lord. We need to be reminded of that. Now, today's sermon is also going to be different. We've got two different psalms from two different authors from two different contexts. Psalm 30, which we looked at last week, was written by David during the days, the early days of the monarchy around 1000 BC. Psalm 148 from today was probably written by the prophet Haggai or Zechariah sometime after the Babylonian exile, probably in the 6th century BC. We have different scopes as well. Psalm 30 is a bit more personal, whereas Psalm 148 is a bit more cosmic. And we're given different reasons for praising God as well. Different imagery, different language, different tone, different moods, different emphases. But yet, at the most basic level, I'll be saying the same thing Mike said last week. Praise the Lord. But don't don't feel shortchanged, it's still different. But truth be told, this is something we need to hear again this week and next week and the week after. Because like me, with my water drinking, we need to be reminded again and again. So I won't deliver Mike's sermon from last week, although I do have a copy of it. We'll stick with Psalm 148. And we're going to break it down into two sections. The heavenly choir, verses 1 to 6, and the earthly choir in verses 7 to 14. First up, we have the heavenly choir. 
and they are praising the Lord. It, we, we have, it's something like kind of a, a choir we have here, and it's like we have a conductor calling on the members in verses 1-4 to bust out some praise. There's actually four groupings in this section, so I'm going to uh, get a bit of a uh, choir theme going, a, a, a four-part harmony. We've got our soprano, we've got our alto, we've got our tenor, we've got our bass parts. So singing the soprano, you have the heavens and the heights or highest heavens in verse 1. And they are praising the Lord, singing hallelujah. Singing the alto in verse 2, you have the angels joined by the heavenly hosts, that is the, the, the armies of angels in the sky above. And they are praising the Lord, singing hallelujah. And then singing the tenor in verse 3, you have the sun and moon and stars. And you guessed it. They're singing praise the Lord, hallelujah. And then singing the bass in verse 4, you have the highest heavens again, and the waters above the sky. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Now, in the, back in these days, in the ancient Near East, it was common to understand the world having a sky and then clouds above that sky. And, and that's where all the rain sits before it rains. That is, the waters above the skies. And then somewhere above that, you have the highest heavens. That's kind of how they understood the world. They, they weren't quite as advanced in meteorology as we are. Now, in some ways, we've got the highest heavens up here. In some ways, it kind of doesn't make sense having them singing the bass line as well as the soprano, but, but oh, well, that's just how, how it's going to work today. But the point is, in these verses, with this four-part harmony, the entire creation above, is called to sing in this heavenly choir. All of creation. All creatures and created things of our God and King. But, but what does this actually mean? You might be like me and wondering, what does it mean for these inanimate objects to praise God when they don't even have a, have a throat or a voice? I mean, okay, we know that from other parts of the Bible, we just had Christmas. We know that angels can sing. So, okay, that makes sense. But what about the stars and the moon and the sun and skies? How, how are these guys meant to be praising God if they don't even have a mouth? I think the answer is this. By being what they were created to be. They praise God by being what they were created to be and, and doing what they were created to do. As, as one commentator writes, these entities in the heavens, O Yahweh, that's the Lord, this praise because it is only through his action that they exist. So they praise God because he's the one who created them. And, and then we, when we get to verses 5 and 6, they, they tell us this same thing. They tell us why the creation above praises God. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in position forever and ever. He gave an order that will never pass away. So the creation above, the members of this heavenly choir, this celestial barbershop quartet, praises God because he created them and sustains them. And the way that they do this, the way that they declare these things, is by being who they are. So for the sun and the moon and the stars, this means shining. For the sky, it means being blue. For the clouds in the heavens above, it means being white and then turning gray and then raining. It means being what they are to reflect 
the total awesomeness and praiseworthiness of Yahweh the Lord. In being what they are, they reflect who God is. I really like what this other Bible commentator I was reading says. His name's Leslie Allen, and he writes about Psalm 148. Just as a fine piece of craftsmanship shows glory to its craftsmen, so the destiny of the created world is to glorify the Lord by reflecting divine power, by fulfilling their divinely allotted functions. The works of the celestial creation exist as eloquent witnesses to the Lord's self-revelation through them. Now, I want to unpack this idea of, of the craftsman a bit. It, it reminds me of something that just happened on my holiday, actually. I've just been down the coast with my family. And after years of watching his big brother do Lego with his dad, my four-year-old son Isaac was desperate at having a go at doing some Lego himself. So with some Ed Sheeran playing in the background, I said, Isaac, we're going to pick up the pieces and build a Lego house. If things go wrong, we can knock it down. And Sophie, our two-year-old, did actually knock it down once. It was, it was a bit of a thing. But to Isaac, the craftsman, Isaac and I got stuck into making this Lego house, piece by piece, multiple sittings, multiple distractions uh, by siblings. And over the course of the week, this little four-year-old dude constructed a Lego house. I was sitting next to him the whole time, often pointing him back to the instructions, but, but Isaac did 99% of the work. And at the end, when I looked at this Lego house, that house was telling me all about Isaac. That Lego house was speaking. It was saying, this little boy is very focused and determined. With a bit of help, he's good at following the instructions. He loves building. He loves engineering, he loves Lego, and he's quite good at it. This little boy is actually pretty clever. Now, the Lego house wasn't actually talking, but it kind of was as well. It was telling us all about Isaac. It was reflecting a number of truths about him. In some ways, it was even declaring his praises. Now, if we take this back to Psalm 148, and you know, we've got all these things in the sky declaring God's praises, like the stars. Now, Astronomers tell us that in the sky, there are 200 sextillion stars in the sky. That's 200 followed by 21 zeros. Now, apparently, the average star is made up of two nonillion kilograms of gas. That's two followed by 30 zeros. So it's a lot of gas. Now, if one Lego house is able to declare the praises of a four-year-old boy, how much more are 200 sextillion stars with nine nonillion kilos of gas? How much more are they able to declare the Lord's praises of the God who made them? By being what it was created to be, the creation declares who God is and how great He is. And that is what we have the heavenly choir doing there in verses 1 to 6. They are praising the Lord for who He is by being what they are and doing what they were created to do. Then we come to the second half of the psalm, verses 7 to 14, the earthly choir. Verse 7, we hear, praise the Lord from the earth. 
we have a six-part choir to the Lord this time. Seeing in the bass line, we have the sea creatures and, and the ocean depth of verse 7. Fun fact, the King James Version translates sea creatures as dragons. I like that. So, so in the ancient world, these dragons or sea creatures, um, they were often depicted as sort of these really powerful mythological creatures. But here, they're deprived of any power to do anything mythological or breathe any fire or anything to do anything. They're deprived of the power to do anything but to sing a deep, hearty hallelujah, two octaves below middle C. Singing the baritone in verse 8, we have the lightning and hail, snow and clouds, and stormy winds. The lightning and hail and snow and clouds, they're singing hallelujah as they follow God's orders. Then singing the tenor, we have the mountains, hills, fruit trees, the mandarin trees, and all cedars, or the cedar trees in verse 9. You have the animals, cattle, the cows, the birds, singing the alto line in verse 10. And then in verse 11, singing the mezzo-soprano, we've got the kings, princes, judges. And in verse 12, we've got the young men and women and the old men. We've got the old men here now, singing the soprano, those high, high, high notes. Though I suppose these guys maybe need their own four-part harmony here. Okay, the, the illustration's breaking down, I know. But you've got these guys all singing the alto part. And together, in glorious six-part harmony, we have this earthly choir joining the heavenly choir, singing, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. All creatures of our God and King, all of creation, heaven and earth, declaring God's praises. As John Calvin, one of my favorite reformers from the 16th century, wrote, there is no part of the world in which the praises of God are not to be heard, inasmuch as he everywhere gives proof of his power, goodness, and wisdom. You know that old, um, that old saying, you know, if a tree falls down in the forest and no one's there to, to, to hear the sound, does it really make a sound? Have you, you ever heard that one before? Well, according to Psalm 148, it is making a sound. It's making a sound. Praise the Lord. All of creation is praising God all the time. But why should this earthly choir bust out their hallelujahs? Why praise the Lord? In verses 13 and 14, we're actually given three reasons for why. And it's following that word for. So when you see the word for in the Bible, it's where you are, we're often just about to be given some reasons for what's being said. First reason for praising the Lord his name. Verse 13, his name alone is exalted. For his name alone is exalted. There is no other name in heaven which can be found whose name should be exalted like God's. He alone is God. His name deserves to be exalted. And therefore, the earthly choir sings his praises. Uh, in verse 13 as well, we give him a second reason. His splendor. His splendor is above the heaven and the earth. The idea is that when the members of the earthly choir look up to the sky, they're reminded of the splendor of the Lord. Tonight, as you, as you go for a walk after dinner, or, uh, and, and you see the sun setting brightly in the blue sky, offering long speckled shadows through the leaves, let that remind you of God's awesomeness, of, of His splendor that is above the sky. 
that is above the heavens and the earth. He made that sun. He sustains it. Join the dragons and the king and the hail. Praise the Lord. Or if you miss the sunset because you were washing the dishes, pop outside and look at the stars of the Milky Way afterwards, shining from 200 million light years away. And as the stars proclaim God's praiseworthiness, as they do what they were created to do, join with the cows and the snow and the rest of the earthly choir and bust out some hallelujahs. Say, praise the Lord. His splendor is above the heavens and the earth. And then the third reason we're given to praise the Lord, his horn. Verse 14, he has raised up a horn for his people. Uh, in, in ancient literature, the horn is a symbol of strength because an animal's horn is a key focus of its power in fighting. So the Lord has raised up for his people a horn, a strong fighter who has rescued his people. In this case, it's going to be rescuing them from exile in its original context. The Lord is the strong fighter, but he's a fighter who cares. He cares for his faithful servants, his godly ones in verse 14. They're close to his heart. And when the whole earthly choir sees this, they see the way that the Lord cares for his people and he fights for them. He is a horn who rescues them, who delivers them. They're enticed to praise the Lord. And this is where the psalm ends. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So what does this mean for us? It means we need to do something I was never game to do in primary school and I was never game to do in high school. Let's join the choir. Now, thankfully, if you can't sing, that's all right. We're not talking about one of those choirs. We're talking about we are called to join the heavenly and earthly choir in praising the Lord. And how do we praise the Lord? How do we join the choir? Now, obviously, we can do that in the 16 minutes of designated, God-directed, melodic speech that we do here at church every week. We can do that in that 16 minutes there. But in Psalm 148, our praise is actually broader than that. It certainly includes our speech directed towards God when we actually say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But actually also includes the way we live. Like the creation, we praise the Lord by being what we were made to be and doing what we were made to do. So let's be and do what we were made to be and do. We're called to praise the Lord like dragons, like cows, like fruit trees, like clouds. All of them praise God by being what they were supposed to be, by doing what they were created to do. I actually reckon a lot of Christians are, are a bit unclear on what we were created to be and do. But I find these two Bible verses really helpful in just articulating what, what it is that Christians were created to be and do. First up, Isaiah 43, 7. It says, we were created for His glory. We are created to point others and ourselves and everything to how great God is and how awesome he is we're created to bring him glory another really helpful bible verse is ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 for we are his creation created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them so how do we point people to, to god's awesomeness how do we point people to his glory well we can do it with, with our speech but we can also do it by being his creation, that's what we were created to be, and by doing good works. 
the works that he has given us to do. We're created in Christ to do good works, to bring God glory. It's not about me, it's about him. These works are supposed to point people to God and show people his majestic, praiseworthy character. They're supposed to declare his praiseworthiness. Now, to be clear, these verses aren't saying that we're saved by doing good works. Just two verses earlier, we're told, in fact, we're saved by grace and not by works. But he saves us so that we do good works. We're saved to serve. All of our works, whatever we do in word or deed, should declare God's praiseworthiness. Whether we're sharing the gospel with a friend, brushing a child's teeth, writing policies for your workplace, cleaning toilets, studying for school, consulting clients, knitting jumpers, catching up with a neighbor, whatever. Our good works are supposed to sing forth the words, praise the Lord. So when we go about our daily lives, we need to have this as our mindset. I'm created to glorify God, to reflect his praiseworthy character. Now, if you're like me, and I I suspect you are, we don't always nail this on the head. Sometimes we fail. Often, our works declare nothing but our insecurity, our pride, our fear, our anxiety, our our selfishness, our, our rebellion. And yet there is still a reason for the earthly choir to praise God. When we fail we can still praise God for the horn. So let's praise God for that horn. Remember verse 13 of Psalm 148? He has raised up a horn for his people. In Psalm 148, the Lord raised up for his rebellious people a horn, a strong fighter to rescue them. And when we get to Luke chapter 1, our New Testament reading from today, we find out that God has raised up yet another horn for us. Luke 1 says, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And who's this horn of salvation in the house of David? Moments earlier in Luke 1, we find out it's Jesus. He is the strong and mighty one God raised up to redeem his people from exile, to sin, to be a horn of salvation. He's so strong that not even death could hold him down. The Lord raised him up from the dead. In fact, just as it says in Psalm 148 that his name alone is exalted, in Philippians we read that God exalted Jesus to the highest place, a place higher than the highest heavens, and gave him the name that is above every name. So when we fail to praise the Lord with the way that we live, we're not without hope. There is still hope for us because... We have that horn who has come to rescue us from the times where we do fail. And that, again, should bring us back on, onto the trajectory. Let's praise the Lord in response to that as well. We praise him for who he is, what he's done, and what he's done to rescue us as well. So, as we get into gear for 2024, let's join these choirs. Let's carry this melody of praise with us, letting our words and our lives sing of his glory in every act, word, and thought. Let's be what we were made to be. Let's do what we were made to do. Let's praise God for the horn as we 
shine his majesty into the world with our good works. And let's keep reminding each other to do this. Like drinking water, praising God is something we need to be reminded of again and again. So as we close, let's pray for God's help in living this out. And then let's stand together, not just as singers, but as God's new creation, echoing the hallelujahs of all creation. Let's pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, for what you've done. We thank you for this creation. We thank you for the heavenly choir and the earthly choir. And and as we now prepare to, to sing, help us to remember that we are joining the heavenly choir and earthly choir in declaring your praises. Amen. Well, let's stand and sing all creatures of our God and King.